Welcome to LDS Down Under. It's going to be a crikey good show. Oh, it's going to be a crikey one, all right, Rodney. Uh, no, mate. It's crikey. Like, what's a crack crikey? What? No. Like, it, it's just crikey. Ah, uh, sure. Look, lads. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Let's get on with the pod. Welcome everyone to LDS Down Under. Down Under. <laughs> we have a very special guest with us today, as all our guests are special. And we have Sister Jan Howard with us. Hello, Sister Howard. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Nervous, but thank you for inviting it's good me along. small talk. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done this before? No. No. You've I've never done a podcast this. before? No. This is the first time? Absolutely. Yes. First time. We get to be the first ones to. Yeah, totally. Now you're going to be famous after this. Yeah. So just remember that. Remember us at the bottom. Just don't ask me to sing, okay? Oh, yeah. no. We'll just sing Actually, at the end. I don't think we've ever had someone sing before. Would you like to? No. <laughs> you do conduct. She does. Yeah, but that, you need a camera for that. Yeah. I must say, there's been a few occasions where you haven't been at church and, like, we haven't had a conductor. And man, does the ward sound terrible when you're not up there. Like we're all out of whack. For some reason, it just throws everyone off. It just doesn't work. Well, I'm a conductor. I'm a conductor by default, really. That's not my calling. I just just get up there. No one else is doing it. (laughs) Well, your sister Howard, you do everything. Mm-mm. <laughs> and you're the musical family so like everyone plays this the piano is true. And... this is true so, so wait with your so how many kids do you have i have three children three children mm-hmm. and musical uh, so we know uh sister guzman who was on the t- who was on this the women's episode with the women's episode mm. so did you teach her to play piano no we both learned from a piano teacher up the road katie learned as well so oh, so she played as well, though she hasn't played since then, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys just, so you just picked it up and. Well, we had lessons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Wanted to learn, got given a piano, and decided I'd take piano lessons. And then when the girls were old enough, they came with me. Yeah, yeah. To the same music teacher. Nice. Crystal loves to play the piano, and she doesn't really know like any songs or anything and she sort of just you know makes her way along with it a bit but um there was a period of time there where i think it was her birthday or something was coming up and um i was gonna secretly go out and have piano lessons (laughs) and play her a song for her birthday because it would blow her mind right because she knows i can't play the piano so i was like yeah that'll really shock her but my wife's crazy jealous person. So if I was disappearing for periods of time, she would quiz me so bad. She'd probably think I'm cheating on her. So I just didn't do it. So I'm like, she just, there's no chance my risk. wife is letting me get away for 45 minutes a day without knowing where yeah, I am. So yeah. I'm like, it's yeah. never too late to learn. I mm. started learning at the age of 27. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. About my age. My age, yeah. That's good. And That's much your age. I didn't realize. Well, within five years, they called me as the ward organist, and that was really nerve wracking. Yeah, like, I bet. Oh, it was. They used to watch my face. Yeah. The, because the, the organ kind of faced the congregation, and they could yeah. tell when I'd made a mistake because I used to cringe. Yeah. I got really good at not cringing after a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a lot more confident. So, could you teach someone like me? Um,. I don't know if I had time, probably. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Abigail's a, 
she she did her Amazay, so she she can teach. She has a diploma. She did what? Sorry, it's a musical um, learning diploma. to teach people. Yeah. Oh okay. wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. I, I remember we were traveling around America. I think we we're in Nauvoo at the time, and you know, and, I, and I'm thinking, oh, this is so amazing. You know, we go to church, and and there was an organist there, and I'm like, oh, look, there's an organ, and she was like a hundred. <laughs> and man perfect piano like she was old and yeah. i was like look at her crank it she was just hammering along with it and i'm what thinking legend. she was just smashing it out and i'm like oh, so i was just jealous absolutely jealous so where are you from sister howard i'm from new zealand so um i was born in invercargill and then married there and then we moved from invercargill to nelson where we lived most of our lives and mm. We've heard, been in Perth now since 2008. Wow. I heard you got married to a great, great man from a great, great country. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> that was a few years no ago. No surprise yeah. where he's from. Ireland. I'm on again. No, he is from New Zealand, but all four of his grandparents are Irish. Yeah, but so his accent tells us uh, he's Irish, though. So, yeah. No, no. No, he's a Kiwi. Yeah, he does not sound Irish. Well, to me, he does, okay? <laughs> in my ho- heart, in my hope. heart, he sounds Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, okay, so you got married over there, moved yep. to Nelson. Mm-hmm. But you weren't a member then, were you? Not when I first got married. Mm. I um, was married about 18 months later. I joined the church. Okay. And my husband has not chosen this path. Mm. So he's not a member, mm. even after uh, 44 years mm. now. Mm. Yeah. But we do see him every now and again when the, the kids have oh, something. He, and... He's really supportive. He yeah. likes to come when the children get blessed or when there's something mm. special at church. He'll come to support us. Mm. Yeah. I heard that he used to also help with the pickups and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Oh, he did with seminary. Yeah, he used, yeah. To, oh, yeah he used to drive the girls to seminary and even picked up his future son-in-law along the way. So how? What time was that? That was about seven o'clock in the morning. And for someone that's not a six. member of the yeah. church, and for him to be willing to do all that, mm. that is something else. He was very supportive. Yeah. I remember I was away one weekend, and the girls said to their dad, "Oh, we'll stay home with you." And he said, "Well, what would your mum have you do?" oh, she'd want us to go to church. He said, then I'm taking you. So he'd take them to church and drop them off mm. and then pick them up after church and bring them home when I wasn't there. Wow. So he was really supportive. He mm. felt that, well, in fact, his comment to me was um, that it's made our marriage better. And it's, he says, I'm a good person as far as he's concerned. And if his daughters turn out like me, then he'd be really happy. Mm. So I don't know if he'd still agree with that now but that's what he used to say he <laughs> yeah, said that yeah, yeah. yeah what a man eh? yeah and how sorry to get pressed but how has that worked for 40 years one being a member one not being a member of the church it's not easy i yeah. wouldn't recommend it yeah. um i was the one who changed <clears throat> the rules here so mm. um yeah I, I felt this is what i wanted to do mm. and so grateful i did because it has definitely made us a better family. Yeah, made me a better person. Um, it there is that unmet expectations, you know that that sense of disappointment because I thought that he would join, 
mm. never occurred to me that not joining was an option. Ah. And so I've had to learn to come to, to terms with that. He's allowed me to, um, the, the woman will say, what, allowed you? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's allowed me to follow my heart yeah. and to follow my convictions. And yeah. um, he has the right to do the same thing. That's one of our articles of faith. So mm. um, we have very similar values when it comes to family and mm. marriage. Um, there are parts of my life I can't really share with him because he's not interested yeah yeah and doesn't understand and it wouldn't be fair to him or me to go down that path he commented once that he thought i was two different people i was a different person at home and a different person when i was with my friends from church and i said well i can't share the most important thing in my life with the person who's supposed to be the most important person in my life so yes mm. i have to temper how I feel about things yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm with him because it just can cause conflict and mm. has done and so well, I you're, try not to yeah but you're both giving each other room to to be in your spaces like in a sense with mm -hmm. him you know you could easily be like oh he's different in certain ways but you've let yeah. him be himself and you've let your, he's let you be yourself and you've both made it work for 40 years so it's like that's beautiful. That's honestly a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, I think it's not a normal situation. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't recommend not. it. Most people who marry outside the church, um, you know, most husbands or wives never join the church. Mm. Um, or they get divorced or one will go less active. Mm. And then I've seen it happen. And then years later, we'll come back to church and be sitting at the back of the chapel crying because their children and grandchildren aren't there. Mm. It's it's really sad. And so, um, yeah, I think to be, to be a true follower of Christ and to be authentic about it means that we do have to accept people's differences. And that's just, I never thought that I could do that. I guess time has proved that with the Lord's help, we can do that. Yeah, mm. I, I think, like, I think we've spoken about it before, like, part member family is so difficult. Well, it um, absolutely is, because the children have two different mm. sets of choices in their home. Both of my girls have, or our girls, have chosen to follow the gospel way. They... Um, they both gained their own testimony that it was true and decided that's what they wanted and both have since married in the temple. They could have chosen to follow their father mm. and I'm grateful they didn't. But that, mm. but because of the person that he is, mm. that, and and you, you made the comment just a minute ago about, you know, they sort of had the choice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that seems to be better when people do have the choice because it ends up being their decision. You do hear a little bit about people that yeah. grew up in the church and parents made me go and all those sort of things. And um, and I was only having a conversation with someone the other day um, that they were like, we've decided when our kids hit a certain age, we're not going to make them go to church or anything. They're going to have the choice because they didn't want that to be sort of pushed on them. They wanted them to make their own choice to come. Yeah. I, I you know. guess you're right, but in order for them to be able to make a choice, you have to give them a baseline to choose from. Mm. While while the girls were at home, um, that was the rules. You live at home, you go to church, you go to mm. seminary. There was no choice in the matter um, 
you know, and Ken was very supportive of that. Mm. When they got older, <laughs> he said to them one day, and they both told me this, that our dad said that we didn't have to marry a Mormon. He said, you don't have to marry a Mormon. Find yourself a nice Catholic boy. <laughs> and when I got to hear about that, we had words. <laughs> and I said to him, don't, don't do that to them. That's not fair because mm. the, both of them have decided this is what they want. If they marry outside the church, then, you know, that could go pear-shaped. You're playing Russian roulette with their future. I said, what we have is not normal. It's not normal for a member in a, of one church and a member of another church to mm. coexist the way we do. It, it, that, that doesn't normally happen. So yeah, I said, don't right. wish that would make their life a lot harder. They would be unequally yoked. And he turned around. He didn't tell me he was doing it. Mm. But he went back to them and said, oh, you better find yourself a nice Mormon boy, which they both did. <laughs> yeah. But for him to also... Like a, actually, amazing Mormon guys, by the way. Yeah. Both, both of them. Both of them. Only thing you please say, Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> no jokes. Um, there was... Um, but for him to say that uh, about the, um, about him, like with when he was at, when they were home and you weren't around, and for him to say, what would your mom have you do? It's yeah. like he's supporting you and he's not going behind your back and oh, in a was, way, you know what I mean? He he's fantastic as and, when the children were being, when they were growing up, Yeah. Um, as children I want to do, I would say no, they would go to him and he would say, what did your mother say? Yeah. So they didn't get much change that way. He was and, always supportive. And the neighbours used to give us, give the girls a hard time about the church and he said to me one day, this has got to stop and he grabbed me by the hand, I'm not kidding, dragged me over the fence, went over to the neighbour and knocked on the door and said to them, listen here, I don't think what you're doing is right. It's not fair that you're, um, you know, blaming or giving our seven-year-old a hard time for the decisions that her parents have made for her life. Mm. And that's got to stop. And he um, made some comment there about, look, if the girls turn out like their mother, they couldn't do any better. Oh, he said, this hmm. is our decision and not, you know, you shouldn't be giving the girls a hard time about it. Yeah. Mm. And in and the faith. Exactly. Yeah. And how old were you when you joined the church again, sorry? 19. 19. Yep. Married at 18. 19 when I joined the church and then 20 when I became a mother. And I was glad it happened in that order mm. yeah. rather than um, becoming a mother then joining the church because the church, joining the church meant that I learned how to be a mother because mm. I didn't have great examples growing up, to be honest. Mm. <clears throat> and I won't say too much about that, but it helped me to understand the value of motherhood. Um, it was my favourite time in my life, and I'd go back to it in a heartbeat. I loved being a mother. Mm. Still love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you learn a little bit more about yeah. that, the <clears throat> eternal purpose of being a mum. Yeah. You know, like, Sort of today in today's world, without it, you're sort of like, oh, you're a mum just because, you know, you take well, care of them and blah, yes. blah, and off they go. And but when you're part of the church, you learn about that eternal uh, and, how, and beautiful it is. how beautiful it is, and how you've been chosen to take care of this child. You know, I love like that. I don't think society values motherhood the way it should be valued, or mm. parenthood even, children are in some instances a um, an inconvenience. And mm. so I, I was grateful um, for the learning and for the understanding that I 
gained of being a mother and then I became um, the responsibility I realized that the responsibility of being a mother in Zion as it were raising children up to mm. Heavenly Father was really important I became driven to return them to their Heavenly Father mm. and that was really important and and you know I was I a perfect mother no <laughs> not by any stretch of the mm. imagination but I tried really hard that was my motivation I remember saying to my girls as they got older um, I said to them you know I realized that I mean because I was 20 when we had Matthew our son and then the girls were born like two and a half years apart after that and I was young and I said I realized that I wasn't a perfect mother and made mistakes and if what I did was harmful to you then I'm really sorry you know you have every right to talk to me if you feel that I didn't make right choices with you or mm. and both of them were bless their little cotton picking socks said oh mum we can't think of anything you were a good mum mm. you know well, I think you know knowing the families right um yeah yeah, you couldn't say you did that much wrong because at the end of the day, oh, their family's yeah. pretty amazing, you know what I mean? Like I'm both the girls are amazing, their families are amazing. and They're a blessing to know. our family. And um, I can't take credit for the good material we were given to work with. Mm. And grateful for both of my girls and our son, obviously. I perhaps need to explain a little bit about him. Mm. He lives in New Zealand. He has an intellectual disability and autism, mm. so he lives in a supported house with other men who have intellectual disabilities. Mm. And um, so in some respects, he's like emotionally a three-year-old with 40-something years of um, life experience. So mm. he's perfect, spiritually speaking. Yeah, mm. yeah. He's amazing. And his sisters adore him. Yeah. They were amazing sisters to him. He was the firstborn. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Can I ask, um, <clears throat> since we're talking about being a mother and all that, what what advice would you give to young moms now who are just getting married, who are just members and non-members, who are just getting married, who are just getting started? Um, what could you tell them to help them understand? Because you said your thing was hard, just just hard work. You just kept on pushing forward. What advice could you give them to help them understand that it's okay being a mother? It's okay being you don't have to feel like you have to go out there and have this job and all that and you know put the mother side away because the world is telling you that's not good enough mm. what could you say to them it's a big deal raising another human being and the most rewarding thing that you can ever do and there are times when it's it's the most frustrating thing too mm. but it goes so fast mm. you know and that i don't think anybody growing up and watching their children grow would at the end of the day say oh, I spent too much time with them mm. most people would say I wish I had spent more time with my children I was really blessed to be able to stay home and raise them for for the first 18 years when Abigail went to high school um, I then went and got an education so um, I was at school while they were at school but the time I spent at home with them I don't regret not one little bit Mm. because it goes really fast and then you become a grandmother and you think what happened <laughs> <laughs> where did that mm. go yeah, yeah just yeah, enjoy yeah, it yeah. love it that advice was for me mm. I needed to hear that yeah we sort of um, like we never had really spoke about it 
Um, I see it's touched you a little bit. No, it's just, yeah, we hadn't really spoke about it when we were going to have kids, me and Crystal. And then Chris was like, oh, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And we joined the church before that. So we found out we were going to have kids at my patriarchal blessing. Um, it was in my patriarchal blessing. So I was like, oh, we're going to have kids, you know. Then two weeks later, she was pregnant. Wow. So I was like, boom. And the the, <laughs> the staying at home thing came after that, you know. And it made me realize, like, yeah, having that mother figure around was going to have such a blessing in their lives. Um, but also a blessing on her life because she'd get to see every step of it. It's the most amazing thing. Children are always learning. Yeah. And if we're not teaching them, somebody else is. Mm. And what are they teaching your children? Mm. I mean, at school, I I was involved in everything they did. I was on the home in school. My mother helped in the classroom. I ran a little choir. Um, I was where they were. I was on the girl guides. Used to take them to ballet, swimming lessons. Mm I knew exactly where they were and what they were doing when they were little. Knew yeah. what they were, I got to know their teachers very well. Used to go and help in their classrooms. I don't know if you can actually do that anymore. Not really. And there was occasionally a teacher that I'd have words with when I felt they were being... Um, one of them made one of my girls stand on a desk because one of the other children in the class said she was talking and she said, oh, Mama wasn't. And I believe her. She wasn't dishonest. And I said to the teacher, what made you do that why why do you do that oh well that's a way of you know discipline or whatever in the classroom and I said so you made um, a seven-year-old child stand on a desk when she wasn't talking and humiliated her in front of the whole class I was yeah I was one of those parents (laughs) (laughs) and then as they got older um, when they were at high school and things would happen I would say to them do you want me to come and talk to the teacher and they'd say no mum yeah, yeah. And I'd give them advice. I'd say, well, they're the ones, you know, sometimes you have to say yes, sir, no, sir, and how high did you want me to jump? If you feel they're being really unfair mm. and you want me to say something, then I'm happy to do so. Mm. But they learned to manage their own classes. There were some things I think later on they told me about, and I thought, mm, that was a bit unfair. Mm. But life is unfair, and they had to learn that not everybody was going to be on their team. Or on your side. You I want to go into that uh, <laughs> life is unfair, but before we go there, when Jan was talking about if someone's teaching, if you're not teaching your children, someone else is. I was asking, what was going through your head, Rodney? When she made face, that comment, your face went a bit red. Yeah, and you kind of shied away from it. Um, it, it made me think of um the safe school program. That they were going to introduce here at Yanchip. Mm. So, um, have you heard of the Safe School program? No. Okay. So it's a program that was developed for schools, and basically they teach your children about sex a lot earlier than ever before. At what age are we talking? Um, at first, well, from six, I think, or seven. Yeah, it was really um, Melia's age, I mean, my daughter's age, so she would already be learning about sex. Oh. So it actually first started. When I was in Bunbury, um, I remember I was exec sec to the bishop. Mm. And uh, I went to church one night. I think we had a meeting or something. And Bishop was talking about it at the time. But, yeah, his, 
his daughter's in grade eight or something like that. And she went to class one day and the whole desk was full of sex toys. And they were showing people all the sex toys and what you do with them and things like that. And you should explore your body and, and you have two virginities, one with a female, one with a male. And that's the message they push. Um, so Crystal found out they were bringing it in here and she went ballistic over it. And she has a Facebook group that she has and she just went crazy with it and they got a petition running and eventually they pulled it from the school because every, the whole community went in uproar about it. The world's gone absolutely crazy. Well, mm. I, I was a teacher and so I was a trained high school teacher, um, information technology, maths and health. And when I was doing my learning for health, some of the things that those teachers back then were teaching in the classroom was pretty was pretty awful. Mm. It wasn't great. And I remember speaking up in one of my classes, I was not popular mm. because I was seen as being a bit of a radical because mm -hmm. I wasn't going along with the party line. And that was way back in um, the 2000s, 2000 and 2004 maybe mm. it was it was going on then but that's that's what i thought of straight away mm. yeah, because i could see it was really like yeah touching you a little bit and, there, yeah. and one of the things that um i've come across over the years with schooling is that we teach like schooling is to teach kids to conform to society mm -hmm. so that's the job of the school the school is to teach you to be ready to leave school and you know be able to survive society on your own so they stay up to date with the current movements and so on um, because obviously that is what they're going to walk out into the world but so the, that's the yeah. issue with it as well because yeah. if you don't agree with what the current movements are bad luck your kids are going to get taught that but in what school you're noticing now is children are coming out of school they can't read or write properly mm. they certainly can't spell yeah their, their mass is atrocious. So they're pushing all this social agenda onto the children and they're not teaching them how to learn well, properly. What do you do then? Teach them at home. Home, <laughs> be, home school. Be aware. Be yeah. informed about what your children are learning at school. Be open with your children. Ask them to tell you what they're learning. Do you reckon so that's you worldwide or just Australia? Yes, it's worldwide. It, it's worldwide. And I think one of the issues you find also is like Amelia is, for example, second youngest in her class. Mm -hmm. So some kids are 11 months older than her. And as a six-year-old, 11 months is a big time. Mm. So you've got kids that are reading books and you've got kids that don't know how to read yet in the mm. same class. So it's a big gap. It now they does, can't yeah. they can't cater to all of them. They just don't. Kids get left behind. So we have Amelia getting a tutor. Mm. Just because of mm. we know she's gonna get left behind because she's the youngest. And she only became the youngest because of the changing in the school system about how they they dictated, you know, what year you should go to. She mm. should be one of the oldest. And when they changed it, she became one of the youngest. It's the same with Cole. When they changed it, we found out that Cole is going to be the youngest in the class. Too. Yeah. So you've got to be really careful when they it's, are the youngest. It, it, they do catch up. Hmm. Oh, I they mean, do. And yeah. it is important as parents to become involved in their schooling hmm. and teach them as yeah. well. I used to read hmm. to mine. I used to read all sorts of things. And so if they can read, if you can 
um, garner a love of reading and your children get English improves, their spelling improves, yeah. mm. and their minds improve as well. Okay. Mm. In saying that, you know, like for me, my mother, she was a single mother and she she never came to my sports, my schooling and none of that because she was always busy working you know what i mean so you know i remember arguing with her i was like i wish you could come to at least one of my games or something but then she was like if i come then who's gonna work and so she was always stuck with that thing of mm-hmm. i have to be at work so i can't be it's here watching you on a single parent. it's oh, so absolutely. hard and i didn't understand yeah. it so i always like went at her and i would see all these other kids with their parents there and i just yeah. felt even when I got my contract in, in England, like I'm playing there in front of all these people, like she couldn't come because she was working, you know what I mean? Mm. She was always having to keep up with the work and with everything. And I said to her when obviously I moved out and my sister moved out too, it's my little sister that's left now. And I said to her, listen, I know you did a lot for us working and all that, but I promise you, she would rather you be there for her then get her the latest new shoes as much as she wants those latest new shoes she wants you to be there mm. so my mom literally i feel like she heard me for the like she just heard me and obviously there was less of us in the house so she didn't i was like you don't have to work it like don't you don't have to stress yourself like that be there for her so you know she's been there for everything with my sister and me and my older sister always looking at my youngest sister like you don't know how good you have it like, we wanted what you have right now. But now she's like, I don't want you to come. It's like, no, we've been working hard for mom to come to things. Don't tell her that you don't want her to show up. Has your youngest sister moved out of home now? No. Oh. My older sister. Ah, okay. Me and my older sister are out. And yeah. then it's just my youngest sister. She's 16. Yeah. So I find my mom calling us like, what do I do? Like, what is happening? I'm like, hey, I don't even know. <laughs> is, is this the one with the boyfriend? What? <laughs> Don't, you don't talk about that. Anyway, I want us to go back to. I want us to go back to. Um, you said like life is is hard, and we go through this. And some of the talks that you you got us. You, so we usually with those that we have coming to speak in the podcast, we ask them to pray about what they want to speak about. And uh, Sister Howard um, involved one of my favorite guys, uh, Jeffrey Holland, which I was very happy. Uh, be the perfect eventually. Mm-hmm and uh president nelson which is uh perfection pending and i had the opportunity to listen to perfection pending last night i mean sorry yesterday which was amazing i had listened to jeffrey's one um plenty of times but with life being hard and then in matthew in the new testament asking us to be perfect what is it that like talk to us sister jan here what has happened what did you why those two talks first of all Mm. Well, the one by Alda Holland, um, I hadn't realised that there were two. I hadn't realised that President Nelson had done one as well as Alda Holland's. But Alda Holland's one was one that really spoke to me. Mm. President Nelson's one was an earlier one. So 1995. Yeah, when I looked online, I found both of them. And I just loved, I kind of thought... Really, we need to come to the understanding because I've, I've written notes here. Just Please, yeah, yeah, share your notes. Um, come to the understanding that we can become perfected in Christ, but the journey is an eternal one. And too often we beat ourselves up. You know, we and and I love the way Elder Holland puts it as well. He said, "Well, this is not an invitation to lower our sights, basically, mm-hmm. and accept mediocrity. It's an invitation to raise our sights beyond the bounds of mortality to look up." 
mm. and not be so hard on ourselves. Um, but sorry, before yeah. you go on, mm-hmm. but being so, I think we had a we had a um, a someone here that was talked about uh, being a member of the church and how it is difficult because there's so much that is demanded of members. Um, and um, there was one person I was talking to about the church and I was saying, I'd rather just go join their church because their church is just church on Sundays. We don't have to stop drinking, smoking, all these things. I can keep doing those things and I'm still saved. So um, why why would one feel like there's so much for them because if they i don't know correct me if i'm wrong as members of the church we 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 go we're hard on ourselves because of so much that has to be kept but yet we feel like we're not doing good enough am i making sense oh yeah, totally i think we do put a lot on ourselves but yeah. the, one of the don't ask me which one it was but they said that a church that does not require all of its parishioners Ooh. does not have the power to save and so we have to temper that we have to work at our own pace and we're all different and and what's the objective of being here why are we here because we want to return with our heavenly father we want to have all that he has and in order to do that then there are certain things that he's asked us to do but we just we can't take our weaknesses and beat ourselves up with it that's not what he intended so it's about us trusting him that he will guide our steps. You know, when I think about all the things that we have to do, he's not going to put that all on us. I, I, I just, I just, I want to read a little bit let's just, here. Just do what you got to do, yeah, sister. Let's just this read is this you. because I think this is a really good way to do it. This, this is, is the first time someone has brought notes. <laughs> we like it. No, it's not. <laughs> I think it is. But no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what he said is. If we persevere, then somewhere in eternity, our refinement will be finished and complete. Somewhere in eternity. That's in the far distant future. But this is what he said. The scriptures were written to bless and encourage us, and surely they do that. We thank heaven for every chapter and verse we have ever been given. But have you noticed that every now and then a passage will appear that reminds us we are falling a little short? For example, the Sermon on the Mount begins with soothing, gentle beatitudes. But in the verses that follow, we are told, among other things, not only not to kill, but also not even to be angry. We are told not only not to commit adultery, but also not even to have impure thoughts. To those who ask for it, we are to give our coat and then give our cloak also. We are to love our enemies, bless those that curse us and do good to them who hate us. If that is your morning scripture study, and after reading just that far, you are pretty certain you are not going to get good marks on your gospel report card, (laughs) then the final commandment in the chain is sure to finish the job. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. With that concluding imperative, we want to go back to bed and pull the covers over our head. Such celestial goals seem beyond our reach, yet surely the Lord would never give us a commandment he knew we could not keep. And then he goes on with, let's see where this quandary takes us. And I think what I would recommend anyone listening to this is read his talk. I There's another one that I found, a because um, he talk about, I mean, one of my questions I wrote is, what is, what does it mean to be perfect? And Alden Nelson had a really good way to explain that, because he, 
not only is he a doctor and can speak Chinese, he, he understands Greek. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But he's, he talked about the, the word perfect is, um, was, was translated from the Greek teleos, which means complete. Mm-hmm. Teleos is an ad- adjective derived from the noun telos, which means end. The infinitive form of the verb is teleono, which means to reach a distant end, to be fully developed, to consummate or to finish. Please note that the word does not imply freedom from error. I like that. It implies achieving a distant, a distant objective. And when the um, writers of the Greek New Testament wish to describe perfection of behavior, precision or excellence of human effort, they did not employ a form of teleos. Instead, they chose different words. So to be perfect or to be pure does not mean to be error free. And I think that's something that we in our day and age you talk about us having to do everything and there's so much for us to do heavenly father's not putting that on us we're putting that on ourselves we can't earn our way to heaven it is by his grace we are saved but after we you know we've still got to try i mean it doesn't mean we give up and think oh i'm saved now i'm not going to do anything because faith without works is dead but the more we try the more he is with us. And then um, there's another one that I want um, people to have a wee look at. There's a woman by the name of Ashley Kristen Hansen. And it says, be ye therefore perfect eventually. Ten ways to combat combat toxic, toxic perfectionism. Mm. What you're talking about is toxic perfectionism. Where we think we have to do everything. That's setting unrealistic demands on ourselves. Every one of us is different. Okay, but it says, "Be the perfect, even so as your father is." And Uh and then it's saying, "We can't be perfect." So, is it saying we should try our best to be perfect, but we will fall short along the way because we fall short. We live in a fallen world. Mm. The the interesting thing that I learned fairly recently was that when the Savior spoke to his disciples who said to them be ye therefore perfect even as my father in heaven is perfect or our father in heaven yeah yeah it wasn't until after his resurrection that he included himself yeah even he the most error free or the most perfect of us all was not considered perfect until after the resurrection that implies that obviously he's not perfect yeah that gives us hope doesn't it yeah, so I've got I've got two things, two things. I'm I'm buttoning those. Brian will keep talking. Um, <laughs> I will, I will. Um, number one, you made the comment before about the, what what would be the purpose, and that's my argument against the evangelical argument about we're saved by His grace. Doesn't matter what we do, we're saved by His grace. I'm sort of like, well, what's the purpose of being here then? Because why be tried and tested here if we were saved by his grace and we always run around and do whatever we want? Well, I don't understand what would be the purpose of us coming here. Mm. So, which being perfected is part of that plan, right? Yeah. But part of like what you said before is the key comment and I always take from it is, uh, as my father is perfect, who is in heaven. We ain't here. 
Stop it, Rodney. He's in heaven. Stop it, Rodney. So, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And then uh, Elder Nelson lines up really well where he's like, um, Jesus actually said it when he had ascended yeah. as I am. So yeah. Jesus was now at that point. And there was something that I can't remember who disgusting. said it. Ages. Yeah, it's just something we've that never noticed. I've never, I, it didn't click even as your father who is in heaven. Yeah, he's in heaven. He ain't here. Um, is They wow. said that uh, it was a book what Crystal was reading, um, that basically Jesus wasn't perfect. He was perfect in his um, attitudes and his uh, the way he treated people and all those sort of things, but he still had an imperfect body. Oh. Yeah. So he's had a mortal mother. He had, but a, yeah. He inherited mortality. Mortality. From her. So he, he wasn't perfect, he, yeah. but he was perfect in everything else. Mm. So it wasn't till he was resurrected that, that he he had, the he had the perfect body, body and yeah. then everything lined up to be perfect. So what are you saying? So basically, we are here to strive to do our best. And President Nelson and and Elder Holland say it so well. Where basically, the word perfect is meant to make us strive for more. Yeah. And why I think we have so many things on us in the church to, uh, you know, these things that uh, people consider to be tough is it pushes us to be more. It does. It pushes us out of our comfort zone. Mm. But the adversary takes that and puts a twist on it. It does, yeah. And tells us, well, you can never do that. You're just okay. not good enough. Okay, and let's go so into that. People flagellate themselves with that. because, And whose voice are they listening to? Because that's not how the Saviour sees us. I, I in my talk on the weekend. Um, I enjoyed that, by the way. It was, quite oh, good. it was a good talk. I had a I had a line there which basically said that our emotions sometimes will overcome our belief. Yeah. When we're really upset about something, or we're struggling with something, those emotions become stronger than our beliefs. Mm. Um, Rodney, what is happening with you these days? Like, oh, what? Yeah, I knew you'd like that line. I actually wrote it and I went, oh, Brian's going to like that one. <laughs> that is honestly, it is so true because mm. when you're angry, all you see is red and therefore what you're angry about is the, like, you know, you're not going to forgive. Mm. You're not going to do all these things that we're asked to do. We're just going to go mm. the only way. Oh, man. Yeah. Because, and, and you forget everything. You forget that when we're, we're not meant to be perfect right now. You forget that we're meant to just be trying to be better. Well, I think you forget all that. You, you do. Just... I think sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're going through a hard time, I like because this is something that Elder Holland said as well. He said he hears many who struggle with that very issue of not feeling good enough. So I'm just not good enough. I fall so far short. I will never measure up. He hears it from long-term members, from missionaries, mm. from teenagers, <clears throat> and one. Um, insightful Latter-day Saint Sister Dala Isaacson has observed that Satan has somehow managed to make covenants and commandments seem like curses and condemnations. Mm. For some he has turned the ideals and inspiration of the gospel into self-loathing and misery-making. And he said what, he's, what I say now in no way denies or diminishes any commandment God has ever given us. He believes in his perfection and he knows that we are his spiritual sons and daughters with divine potential to become as he is. He also knows that as children of God, we should not demean or vilify, vilify ourselves as if beating up on ourselves is somehow going to make us the person God's, God wants us to become. Mm. No, 
He loves us. We are his children. We are princes, princesses, gods and goddesses in embryo. Mm. That's what we are. And we need to look at ourselves in that way. Learn to um, learn to celebrate the successes. Learn to get rid of all of that rubbish and trust him. Because if we, he wants to walk with us in our extremity. He doesn't want, he doesn't wait for us to get to a certain point before he says, oh, now you've made it, now I'm going to help you. There was, um, I was listening to a, um, a it was a, a DVD, it was a long time ago. Um, What's a DVD, sorry? <laughs> if, if it was a long time ago, it might not have been a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was um, when the, when Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water toward the Saviour, as the Saviour was walking, and he said, let me come to you, and he got, and then he started to doubt. And at Mm -hmm. that moment, did Peter fail? Yeah, he did. He started to sink. Mm. But the minute he called out to Heavenly Father, or to the Saviour, to to save him, the response was immediate. He was there. He didn't wait for him to get it together. He was there to help him get it together. And I think that's what we need to remember, that that's what he does. He is the one person who understands completely everything we will ever go through. Mm. The one person we can trust who who will help us through that and, you know, through those um, hard times. There have been times when I've been struggling with something and haven't felt worthy enough to go to Heavenly Father and... And then when I've got on my knees to pray, I felt him there saying to me, I'm so pleased you came to me. I wanted to help you with that. And it puts things in perspective. Because we as humans, we go, oh, I told you so. <laughs> mm. You should have come to me sooner. you know. Mm. But no, it's with love and compassion. And I'm so grateful for his um, patience. I mean, listening to the Come Follow Me um, and studying the Old Testament and how patient he is with the Israelites over and over and over again. And he's the same with us. Mm. You know, He understands the world we live in. He understands the struggles that we go through. Not when, um, mm. Pause for a moment. Can you go tell my wife and just go to be more quiet? <laughs> Please. When I was going through the talks and there's that part about that you mentioned just before um, about how it gets twisted, mm-hmm. um, my first thought went back to um, how much scripture has been just misunderstood and misinterpreted, misinterpreted since the apostles left the earth. Mm-hmm. Like it made me think straight away of those people um, that used to whip themselves and torture themselves if they sinned, you know, and those sort of things. And I, it just made me blow my mind about how much he must be out there going, what? You know, like, that's not what I meant at all. No, you know, and not. watching this stuff unfold, um, you know, to where we are today until Joseph Smith literally you know, restored the true gospel. Mm. Um, 
how much it was just straight away in different things. It must be so annoying for him to see in a way. Um, what do you, I think so. What, yeah. Oh, sorry. What do you say to people who do feel like they're alone when those times are tough for them? When they feel like, like for example, single mo- single mothers, single fathers, mm. um, people who literally who don't have the gospel, people who have the gospel and they feel like they're doing their best and yet things are not working out. What do you yeah. say to that? Because, you know, and that is the thing. It's 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 often when I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm asked that, um, I just say, you know, the Lord is with you. Be patient and whatnot or whatnot. But then it could happen to me too. And then there's times where I literally go on my knees and I say nothing, but then I just hear him and I just, and I just try to be, you know, that bit better, but it's hard to speak to him. It's hard to say what I really feel, you know? So what, what do you say to that? I think there's a really cute thing that I read about this little girl who was writing a prayer down and she wrote the alphabet and the mother said, why did you write the alphabet? She said, I, I just don't know all the words to know to, to tell Heavenly Father, but if I put all the letters of the alphabet there, then he knows what's in my heart. So he may, we may not know um, what to say. He will put the words in our mind, and he knows our heart. He knows before we even open our mouth. And so when we're feeling in those moments, and it's hard to do when you're feeling in those moments sometimes, but just get on our knees and pray and if we don't feel like it one of the prophets has said then get down on your knees and stay there till you do <laughs> and eventually sometimes our prayers aren't, aren't answered straight away or yeah. they might not be and often it's unmet expectations and so we expect a certain answer from him mm. when in fact he's already given us the answer but we just haven't recognized it so it's about asking him and you know somebody said to me once which I thought was really cool Ask him what he thinks of you. Ask him, what do you think of me? My dad had lots of spiritual experiences. He wasn't a member of our church, but he certainly had a relationship with Heavenly Father. And he, he said he was laying on his bed one day, <clears throat> and we said to him, where are you? I can't be good enough for you. And he felt love come over his body. He said, I felt like I had jumped in a pool of love from the top of my head to the tips of my toes and he just wept like a baby because mm-hmm. he felt Heavenly Father's love and there are, he's shared lots of stuff that's been amazing but um, yeah and I think too another thing that kind of came to my mind was if we wonder, because I got to my age and thought I'd be perfect by now mm. and I realised with much chagrin that, that I'm not mm. and but if if we look back on our lives and look to where we are now, then we need to learn and cele- learn to recognise and celebrate the successes because it's a progression, and sometimes the the, the incremental steps are imperceptible. But I, I want to share. Years ago, I saw a movie called The Kid, and it had Bruce Willis in it, and it was about this ten-year-old boy who showed up on his. 30-something-year-old self's doorstep. And he looked at him and said to him, well, where's my wife and my dog and my house? What have you done with my life, basically? And at that moment, 
I looked at that and thought, what would my 10-year-old self say if they showed up on my doorstep? Mm. And would my 10-year-old self be happy mm. with what they saw? And I thought, yes, I would. I've never looked at it like that. And as you were speaking, I was like trying to think, what would my 10-year-old say? And I feel like he'd be like, wow. I don't know what happened, but he did it. You know, and, and, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. And as you were talking, I was, I was, um, I, I just remembered, I don't know if you guys, it's, pro- it's not the best movie to watch, uh, Don't Look Up. I've seen that movie. Yeah, so that movie, it, it just came out on Netflix. And I enjoyed watching the movie, but at the end, I actually teared up because uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is sitting there, they're all sitting there as a family. And the world is like, the world is ending. And he just turns around and he looks around and he's like, oh, wow, we had it all, didn't we? And then I literally just, like, tears are just falling out of my eyes. I was like, what? what? I don't cry about other movies, but then why, why this one? It's because he went and he, he was famous for a bit. He came back, he, you know, and he came back to his family and they were trying to be like out there. And, but at the end, he looks around the table and realizes, wait a minute, it was this all just at. here. Mm. It was all just us on this table. Mm. We had it all. Because the end, the world is ending, everything is going, the cars you had, the houses you it's all going. And he just looks around and is like, wait a minute, we literally had it all. And I think for us, maybe at the end, we'll figure that out, you know what I mean? Because I'm not even there yet, you know what I mean? I don't see, like when I'm thinking my ten, my 10-year-old looking at me and my wife and my kid and the house we live in, he would be like, wow. But then me now is like, you need to do more, you need to do more, there's more for you. I think there, there is a place for us to never be satisfied with where we're at. Mm. But at the same time, I, I throughout my life, and I've been around a little bit longer than you guys, <laughs> there have been moments when I felt, oh, felt really good about where I was at. And those in those moments, it's like I've reached a plateau. And I, and I have said, to Heavenly Father, oh, I wish I could stay in this moment mm. and, and feeling that sense of love and achievement that I had, you know, that, that he was satisfied and happy with me because each time we feel the Holy Ghost, that is that moment when all is right. He's letting us know that we're at that moment okay with him. And then we're life happens and then we get things happen and then out of the comfort zone we go and that keeps us moving onward and upward i think being being content must Mm. be one of the most amazing feelings right because um you know like i mentioned before about covetousness you know like for me it's like the biggest thing in the world today is covetousness everyone wants more and everything Mm. that they don't have and and being content, obviously, you don't need to be covered because you don't desire anything else. You, you're quite comfortable I with where you're in, at. In those moments, it's okay mm. to feel that way, but not to stay there. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, because I, if we could see what, uh, what, how Heavenly Father sees us and the potential that we have, we would never be content to sit where we were. Mm. I, I but, but, to, but, sorry. Go. There you go. Oh, cut. 
I feel like also just being content with the things of the world because my wife is so good at it. Pina, she can... One day I was just so mad because I was like, we need to do more weight. She's like, we have a beautiful house. We have a beautiful son. Mm. We have each other. And I was like, but... But there was no but there. It's like we are literally happy. We have everything we could ever ask for. Mm. And I I can't keep... what you said about the ten-year-old self, uh, ten-year-old self looking at you at the doorstep mm. is for me is just they can't leave. I'm just uh, it's just yeah. Over yeah, I'm gonna over. remember that one. Yeah. So write it in your journal. Go have a look at the movie. Honest, oh, honestly, I'll have to I will. Go Can we journal. ask those who are listening? Please think about it. What would your ten-year-old self say to you right now? You know how we're talking before about people. Um, struggling with you know where they're at and everyone feeling like they're not good enough mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. there's a and difference between sitting back on your laurels mm. and then beating yourself up because yeah. you're not where you think you are i think that the, 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 there is a distinction there but, and i think in our church it's probably quite prevalent because <laughs> we do have a lot of demands on us as members in our mm. church more than most right and it made me think of this right so let's we'll go back to the talk for a second yeah in the talk, it says, uh, not only not to kill, but also not even be angry. Mm-hmm. We're told not only to not commit adultery, but also not even have impure thoughts. To those who ask for it, we are to give our coat and then to give our cloak also. We are to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, and do good to them that hate us. Now, if we put it in our summary for the church, we are to pray every morning, we are to study every day. We are to do family home evening every Monday. We're to a church, attend church every Sunday, and not to drink coffee, not to drink alcohol, and the list goes on. It, I, I find it a similar thing, right? So we find that these things are quite demanding of us. We have a list just as big as us to just literally be members on a day-to-day basis. So there are quite a lot of demands on us as members. Yeah. And it's the same thing where we feel these these commandments on us to be perfect um, can be overbearing. Overwhelming. Overwhelming, yeah. overbearing. Um, same thing on the demands on us as just being members day to day. We can feel that sometimes that can be overwhelming as well. I think we're a work in progress. It, it, you know, we, we can become perfect in some things. And then and yeah. and one and it's it's a step at a time. I, I kind of I, I don't know if this analogy works, but I, I, this is what's coming to my mind. When our children were little, we had this discussion on, you know, um, love, and how you know with when you've got so many people in the room, there's not enough love to go around. So many things to do, not enough satisfaction with it. Do you know mm. what I mean? So what I did is I shut the I'm going somewhere with this. I shut the doors to the hallway and it was completely dark and, mm. and Ken lit a candle and then I lit my candle from his and then the children one by one lit their candles from our candle and so the more people there were, the, the more love and light there was in that room. The more Heavenly Father loves his children, the more he chastens us and straightens us. When he gives us these things, they're not to constrain us. They're not to make us beat ourselves up. It's to help us on the path back to him. Mm. 
And so if we look at going to church, and some Sundays do I get up and want to stay in bed? Yeah. <laughs> but when I go, I feel good because I'm doing what he would have me do. Mm. And along with that is the opportunity then to share with others, to share that love. And we can't do that on our own. And praying to him, all he wants to do is love and bless us. And how can he do that if we're not talking to him? Like with our children, same thing. It's, it's, sometimes you know, it's, it's yeah, the way like, we see things, right? Yeah, it is. So it's if, just the way we see things. So if yeah, today right. I'm doing absolutely nothing. So I'm not praying, not studying, not doing anything at all. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow I said a prayer, I'm doing 100% better than yesterday. And that's but if you consider that you must do all 20 things, then I've only increased by you know 10% or 5%. So it's just the way you look at it sometimes. Yeah. And that's why um, I genuinely try to remind people, like, oh, you say prayers or something. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, so what's the issue? You know? Because if you're saying prayers, you're doing great already. Yeah. You know? And then the rest of it will come and so on and so on. You know? Sometimes the smallest of things are most important. Well, it's about making even... Who was it that gave that talk about the small percentage to, to do just 1% more? 1%, yeah. And yeah. it was done... And that's it. We can't, I mean, we can't swallow the whole elephant at once. We have no. to do it one bite at a time. And each time we do something and improve in that thing, then we can become perfect in that thing. Mm-hmm. I gave a talk mm. a few weeks ago, and one, what I said in it was that, um, and Jeffrey Holland also said similar. Um, so he copied my talk, but anyway. I was going to say, Jeffrey Holland said something similar, yeah, or yeah, we you said again. something similar. We on again. It's, you know, you wouldn't understand what I mean. <laughs> but he, um, he said, um, you know, that I'm uh, talking about the priest who was walking back home and he was stumbling and he was I love going. That one. Yeah, and he's, he's walking and he's falling mm-hmm. over and all that. He's basically saying, don't judge me. For, for, for stumbling on my way home. I'm still going home, you yeah. know? And, 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 and I just wanted to add in there, it's like, look at where I'm facing. I'm not, fa- I'm facing towards home. Yeah. So if I fall over, don't stand back and laugh at me. Don't get your friends to come join and laugh. Don't just mock me, help me help out me. and yeah. walk with me. You know, put my hand around and walk with me and just remember, look where I'm facing I am so that's what I'm praying mm. I'm doing my best yes I might fall short in one little thing but then don't shun me mm. help me and be like it's okay you're still trying to go home I like that we need to be kind because mm. Heavenly Father only has imperfect people to work with mm. and there's a saying that I love that's called twas I tis not I mm. so when we look back on our lives and the mistakes that we've made yeah, that was who I was, but it's not who I am now because mm-hmm. I've come this far. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to have each other's back and not keep reminding people of mistakes they've made. Well, that's my favourite part of the um, uh, President Nelson talk was mm-hmm. the whole men are that they may have joy, yeah. not guilt trips. Yes, um, I like I that. I love yeah. that part because I Consistent think it's, you know, it's so easy to guilt trip people. I, I like this too. I wrote... Um, in my diary, a little saying about motherhood, and we could include fatherhood in here as well, given that we've got fathers in the room. Um, 
motherhood or fatherhood is a choice you make every day to put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own to teach the hard lessons to do the right thing even when you're not sure what the right thing is and to forgive yourself over and over again for doing everything wrong and that can be same can be said for our lives because that's what we do sometimes mm. is to get things wrong but the most important thing of course is to the consistent improvement and just keep getting up I love that honestly sister Howard this has been absolutely amazing like where it started where it went it's honestly I've learned a lot I don't know about you Rodney but I've learned a whole heap of stuff just to finish up um, sister Howard what would you say to the listeners who are listening today your final teaching please teach us tell us what, what what's the last message you could give us as we close off today um, we can become perfect in Christ. He is the author and the finisher. He is the one that we need to come to and trust him. He's got our back mm. and the only one who 100% does. And how about you, boss? Yeah, uh, that made me think of, like, he'll never turn his back on us. Mm. You know, I think that's how we feel a lot of the times, that people... Um, and, and I think because people do, I think we, we sort of assume he does as well, you know what I mean? When we're not doing well or we've done something we shouldn't have or whatever it is, we probably feel like he's turned his back on us, you know, like he's disappointed in us. But that's never actually the case. No, we're disappointed and we turn yeah, back on him. on him, yeah. So that would probably be my thing. But once again, it goes back to like I was saying earlier about sometimes that emotion, you know, outweighs and overpowers our belief sometimes which the is natural difficult. man yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think for me and i'll just go back to that 10 year old <laughs> honestly i've just been thinking a lot and i and i i feel like i am happy as the 10 year old self looks at me right now and i'm grateful for that um and i definitely did need to hear that and for those listening i would say do that for yourself as you're driving or sitting there look around you and look at it look in the eyes of your your 10 year old self and see what he sees or she sees in you because you will be surprised that you're actually doing better than what you thought you could do and um, i'm grateful for you uh, sister howard for what you do as a relief society president in um, yanchip and also as just a mother and grandmother and just an amazing um sister in, in, in the gospel um, and all that you do for us and Rodney you're alright um, we, we love you. Uh, I love you I love you thank you for all the hours opening up your home so we could do this I mean the office uh, so yeah. we could do this studio yeah studio um, but to the listeners thank you for always supporting us and listening and you know um, we are not all perfect but we are trying our best and you are trying your best too Please share this with whoever uh, needs to hear it. And yeah, so we finish off this way, Sister mm. Howard. Are you ready for this Thank very you. important part? Yes, the important part. Okay. Yep. So this is the important part. Are you ready? Okay. Thank you for listening to Elias Down Under. Down Under. Down Under. Sister Howard. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I not get that no, right? We need, we need, we need a bit more. We need a bit more. Can we just. Give it we'll a little bit more. Yeah, you know, a little bit more. Okay. We'll <clears throat>
Thank you for listening to us. Down, down under. Down under. Down under. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Many of the trials and hardships we encounter in life are severe and appear to have lasting consequences. Each of us will experience some of these during the vicissitudes of life. This life is not always easy, nor was it meant to be. It is a time of testing and proving. The challenges we face today are in their own way comparable to challenges of the past. The recent economic crisis has caused significant concern throughout the world. Employment and financial problems are not unusual. Many people have physical and mental health challenges. Others deal with marital problems or wayward children. Some have lost loved ones. Addictions and inappropriate or harmful propensities cause heartache. Whatever the source of the trials, they cause significant pain and suffering for individuals and those who love them. We are aware that many who are listening to this conference are experiencing trials and hardships of such intensity that the underlying feeling in their hearts as they approach our Father in Heaven in prayer is, hope you know I'm having a hard time. Think of the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane during the atonement process, suffering agony so great that he bled from every pore. His cry to his Father included the word Abba, this might be interpreted as the cry of a son who is in distress to his father. O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I testify that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers all of the trials and hardships that any of us will encounter in this life. At times when we may fail to say, hope you know, I had a hard time, we can be assured that he is there and we are safe in his loving arms. When our beloved prophet, President Thomas S. Monson, was asked on his birthday this past August, what would be the ideal gift that members worldwide could give him? He said without a moment's hesitation, Find someone who is having a hard time and do something for them. I, with you, am eternally grateful to Jesus Christ, the rescuer of mankind. I bear witness that he is the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, 